Audrey? Audrey? Maybe it was not Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we'll start the podcast. <laughs> Audrey? <laughs> Audrey? Okay. Audrey. All right, Hunter. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Really good. How are you? We're making it through. Am I close enough to the mic? Um. I leaned back when I said that. Y'all heard me. I think in uh, the... I'll just sit here. I'll do this. I'm closer to my coffee. I wish I liked coffee. I love We've coffee. We've been over this. We've been over this so oh. many times. I really wish I liked coffee, though. I love though. coffee so much. Whenever I lost my taste because of uh, um, a particular virus named after a uh, make of domestic beer, um, I think Corona's a beer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's domestic. I need to find out. Because this is technically part of my major. It seems of the Hispanic descent. I could be wrong. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Is Corona a domestic beer? According to Wikipedia, Corona Extra is a pale lager produced by Mexican brewery Cerveceria Modelo and owned by Belgian company AB InBev. Corona is Belgian. (laughs) Thank you, Google. Wow. Not a domestic beer. Foreign beer, but very mainstream. You put the lime in the Corona and you drink it's it all, all up. up. That's our new uh, podcast opening. <laughs> Watch Reservoir Dogs. I've never seen that. It's your turn to pick anyway. Ah, I And I know what movie we're choosing. That song's in the movie, though. Oh, is it? Yeah. I used to sing that song all the time. Not because I've okay. seen Reservoir Dogs, because I haven't. I think it's in the credits i haven't seen it in a long time I th- it's on my favorites it's on your favorites that's right i don't remember, i don't remember who sang that song around me whenever i was little maybe it was my nana nana hold on i'm gonna get you a piece of foam so you can set so we can set our drinks on oh there. can you hear that well i mean you set it down really quietly i couldn't hear it then. yeah i do hey that's what it sounds like if i wasn't being careful. How y'all doing? Logan went to the bathroom, so I guess it's just me now. Maybe he'll keep some of this in, maybe he won't. Uh, this this uh, fine, almost noon, I'm drinking a, a Starbucks Christmas blend. It is a blonde roast. I don't like their pike. It seems to be almost Starbucks have. But the one on campus had a blonde roast this morning, so I was happy about that. Because I needed coffee and Java's closed on the weekends. And my coffee pot's really old, so the coffee that comes out doesn't really ever taste very good. And I've got some mm, very good coffee that I don't want to ruin by putting through my pot. It's, uh, it's, it's a real tragedy. Anyway, I got a blonde roast. And the Christmas blend is actually pretty good for Starbucks. I don't... Not a huge fan of Starbucks coffee. That doesn't seem to, even though they're Starbucks coffee, it doesn't coffee doesn't seem to be their specialty. Seems to be more like the sugary drinks, or even like some of the fruitier ones. Sage gets the the strawberry acai lemonade. That's pretty good. I've had it. I like their uh, their matcha drinks, their green tea stuff. That's pretty good. Green tea latte. Ooh, that's real good. Um, I've heard that a dirty 
matcha chai is really good. It's just with shots of espresso in it. I love coffee. It's so good. Oh, but uh, the coffee in my room that I don't ever make is uh, is actually from one of my favorite podcasts. Welcome to our podcast with uh, Mike Falzone and Zoya. On the, uh, the cover it says Coffee Girl, but her name's Zoya. So funny. So good. Adds so much joy to my week. But they came out with a coffee. It's really good. I got some for Christmas. My brother got me two bags of the coffee for Christmas. And I, I went through one of them before I even got back to school. And I've had, I made like maybe one pot at school. And I was like, ah, I'm ruining this delicious coffee. So I don't make it, which is kind of sad. It's just sitting in my room, not being consumed. It's a good talk we're having. I was pretty impressed with myself of how much I just talked. It's kind of hard to keep a conversation with yourself going. Most of the time. Sometimes I'll just think out loud. And be like, carrying on a conversation with myself. Not for a super long time. I'm not, I'm not crazy or anything. I would say. Some other people probably wouldn't. I do admit I'm kind of weird most of the time. Kind of is an understatement. Oh. I think that's something I miss since pandemic started is uh, just all the local coffee houses I used to go to and just chill and just walk inside. It seems like such a big thing now to walk inside a building. It's crazy. But yeah, so many different coffee places. I just go. If I went to Lexington for a vocal lesson, I just go to Cafea, get some coffee. A chocolate espresso bean. That's pretty good. I go to a Daily Grind, I think it was, in downtown, across the street from Rupp. I love that place. That was really good. Logan's back. You don't call phones anything good? No. Kind of here. I've been talking about coffee. Oh, God. <laughs> Will I have to edit any of that out? Huh? I won't have to edit any of that out then. This has been Hunter's Coffee Hour. You could probably keep quite a bit of that in there. I paused for a little bit, but... I normally cut out our pauses anyway. I'm just saying. It'd be a little comedic. I, if, I'll, we, I'll... if we documented you were leaving to go to the bathroom. Because I did mention Logan's in the, in the bathroom, so I guess I'll just talk. I'll see what I do with it. Who's the goat? Can you say, and now it's time for Hunter... <laughs> Hunter's Coffee Hour. Coffee chat. This has been... I can't do that. That's basically copyrighted. <laughs> I thought that quag was... That was funny. Perfect. So this has been... Hunter's Coffee Hour. Perfect. I mean, I talked for like... What? Seven minutes? I'm very impressed. Hey, I said I love coffee. <laughs> Did you explain dark roast, light roast? No. I was just talking about how I don't like pike, but I was uh, glad they had a blonde roast this morning. Mm. Does and, it uh, depend? Like, do they not always have blonde Well, roast? I was also talking about how Starbucks usually only has, like, pike roast available. And so I usually just get that and deal with it. But I really don't like it that much. It's very... Mm. 
and it pike roast leaves like a film in my mouth after I'm done drinking, and it just feels weird. And Java's not open on the weekend. Yeah, I said Java's not open. And then I talked about... Uh, Is Java's coffee just better, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. We'll have to go sometime. Yeah. I'll see if I can handle... I go every morning. <laughs> I'll see if I can handle black coffee, and if not, do they have sugar packets there? You can ask for sugar and cream, yeah. How much will they give me? I don't know. <laughs> More, please. I don't ask. More, please. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was talking about different stuff that I like at Starbucks, uh, and Sage gets the, uh, strawberry acai lemonade, which is actually pretty good. And I was talking about the matcha drinks that they have are really good. And, uh, I talked about how my coffee pot's really old, so I can't really make coffee in it because it just tastes bad. Like all the coffee I make tastes the same. Tastes like burnt? Kind of, yeah. Like just old. Mm-hmm. And like, no matter how much coffee I put in it, it always tastes a little bit watered down. Yeah. So, I was talking about how I... There were some uh, coffee pots on clearance at Walmart in their clearance aisle. Saved like 40 bucks on it. I might do that. And my it, mom it's and like I, your coffee pot. It's not like yeah. a Keurig. Yeah, yeah. My mom and I were talking about it. She was like, Grandma gave you that coffee pot, didn't she? I was like, yeah. I was like, so she probably had it for a while. I was like, yeah. I was like, you might just want a new coffee pot. <laughs> just, it, it is an old coffee pot. I just... That's a hot coffee pot. Hot topic. Coffee. <laughs> um, hot topic. Hot topic's a store name. Copyright strike. <laughs> uh, but that I was also talking about. Uh, welcome to our podcast mm. with Mike and Zoya. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever Mike Falzone. I know Mike Falzone. I just don't think I've ever listened to Welcome to Our Podcast. It's good. It's um. Is it as good as a uh, dynamic banter? It's like. If you wanted to listen to dynamic banter without all the noise and also uh, not as loud. See, I was a big fan of the um, SourceFed podcast whenever they were still mm. employed by SourceFed. I watched a few of those on YouTube. Like I had some like of the Steven Subdick yeah, and yeah, yeah. all those people. And I thought it well, was hands. a great podcast. Yeah. And then SourceFed died. Met its untimely demise for I don't know why, but it was it was tragic. It was tragic to a young young boy's heart. But uh welcome to our podcast is really good because they usually record in the morning. Oh yeah. And it's just Mike and Zoya talking about their week and they'll go through like the Discord and answer questions sometimes. Oh. I can't uh, wait to make a Discord for <laughs> yeah. our fans. <laughs> we should. When we get any. Um but yeah, the best description of dynamic banter I've heard was actually in one of the episodes where I think it was Steve said one of them's really loud and the other one hates it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if we had to if we had to say who's the loud one and who really hates it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I don't think that would, that would work for us, but I think I'm really loud. I don't think you caught my comment. Huh? I don't think you caught my comment. Wait, maybe I didn't. I said, I don't hate it. I'm saying you're the loud one. Oh. <laughs> Wait, but you said one hates it, and the other one's really loud. Yeah, one's really loud, and the other one hates it. I'm saying, I don't hate it. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will graciously accept the title of the loud one of the podcast. I'm glad that you steer the conversations, because I would be terrible at it. It's I'm okay. good at supporting a conversation, not good at leading one. 
Uh, I just ask you questions and expect you to answer them. <laughs> and then I answer it myself. And if you haven't noticed, that's also how happy guest goes. If ever, if ever I have to initiate, I'm like, yeah, gosh. I'm, I'm the pirate and somewhat of a ninja. Were you a robot and a ninja? I would think so. I mean, I'd try to have more energy and characters, but... Like, we, we just went over... Uh, not new members. I don't, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe us. We're not initiates, and you guys aren't just the only current members. But I mean, you guys are new members, we're and we're returners. Yeah, we're green. Yeah, the the babies of Happy Gas. For all of you that don't know improv slogan, I will get to the we'll get to the movie here in a bit. We'll get to the movie here in a bit. What what is this? A movie review podcast? Come on. Who come knows? On. <laughs> We just <laughs> we started a completely separate podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but That's what we get for being a week late. True, we're gonna we're gonna get, hit you guys with the content, good and hard. My favorite my favorite quote that I think I've ever heard is, "Democracy is giving people what they want, good and hard." <laughs> and I feel like it's it's very fitting. But I digress. So. For those of you that don't know improv slogan, I kind of relearned that the these particular phrases this week because I, I don't think I remember it from my initiate phase. Maybe I, I missed an initiate rehearsal where they talked about it. We but. barely talked about it. It was in the book, but I mean, it's just not something they really stress on initiates, yeah. I guess, because it's not something you really need to. It's not keep building. in the front of your mind. Yeah. It's just something that other people notice. So it's not something necessarily that you have to learn right away. Yeah. So there are three broad categories of like people when they improv. There are pirates, robots, and ninjas. Pirates are like the big outgoing characters that um, steer the scene. They're normally the idea people, and they just... Um, really create the scene with the characters that they they make in the moment. Robots are the people that are obsessed with, like... Structure. Structure of the improv, hitting the rule of three, no more, no less, hit it three times, um, making sure there's a game, that it's followed, yada yada. Um... And then there are ninjas, who are more so the supporting people that help pirates figure out and execute jokes and normally throw in, like, good one-liners and, uh, like, zingers, and they help the pirates finish out the scene good and strong. I have been described as a mix between a pirate and a ninja. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like Hunter's a. Uh... I would say I'm mostly a ninja and somewhat a robot because. At I'm, least right now. Yeah, yeah, right now. Um, I'm quick to do a voice, and have a character, but it's usually to support everything else that's going on or world build a little bit. And I I usually try and find a game pretty early on, and I'm trying to keep that in my mind. But as far as like the other foundations of structure it's not necessarily something i'm trying to think about super hard while i'm 
in a scene because I don't want it to overtake. Bog it down. Yeah. And, yeah. So I think I think that's something I'm just trying to have come to myself more naturally is like rules of rule of threes and finding a game and uh, base reality stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I, I I do like keep it in my mind as of right now, and I I'm definitely quicker to have a supporting character than a leading character in a scene. Speaking of leading and supporting characters, who is the lead character of Rain Man in your opinion? No, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about them. We'll we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Uh, but we can start talking about the movie now for all of you that skip through all the improv talk. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to just say it. It's only been like 30 minutes, and I'd say about 15 at least are usable. i say we just have a long podcast since we skipped a week. I say I say we do. We keep all that in there. This is just a huge intro. We missed a week. No intro song. We, we do apologize. School combined with Super Bowl and holidays, not great. Cut it out. Cut, cut out holidays. No, cut out school. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I wish I could, but I pay. I paid to do this to myself. Um, <laughs> uh, I digress. Rain Man. Rain Man. Nineteen eighty-eight with Tom, a young Tom Cruise. Young Tom Cruise, and not as young Dustin Hoffman. A younger Dustin Hoffman than he is today. That is true. Uh, director Barry Levinson. Writers Barry Morrow, Ronald Bass. And Barry Morrow again. Oh, for screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> About the same. Seeing double. I am seeing double. Music. Hans Zimmerman. Again. Zimmerman? Zimmerman. Hans Zimmer. Again. Zimmer. I was actually surprised by that. I, I, I saw I saw it in the beginning. I'm like, ah, Hunter's going to yeah. say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I, I remember the music. I've seen parts of this movie before. I haven't seen it all the way through before. I oh, remember, really? Yeah. I've never seen any parts of this movie. I remember I the think. music, and I was like, this is interesting music. Uh, but it does not sound like Hans Zimmer, something I would pick out until I started like really thinking about it. And there are a lot of motifs mm-hmm. throughout Hans Zimmer's career that fit into this movie. But for the most part, I thought it was pretty unique through his, uh, f- uh, filmography. You are a music man. I was the music man uh. in high school, but you he are just pointed to his poster. Yeah. My, uh, music man poster you got trouble, but I definitely have a harder time picking out um, defining characteristics of any composers whenever I listen to their scores. John Seal was director of photography. I don't know who that is, but I like mentioning that because oh. I think the camera is an important aspect of a movie. And really? Yes. Huh. Like I was saying with Ron Howard. <laughs> I was really? joking. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, no, not just to actually physically show the movie, but I think really good directors use the camera oh yeah as a technique of storytelling and some of them even use the camera as a character in a in a sense yeah so i like pointing out the director of photography or cinematographer i'm just giving you a hard time um oh i do i do have a question i have an answer did you recognize um oh charlie babbitt's girlfriend (sighs) here's a hint She's been in a movie that we've reviewed. Really? Yeah. Was she in Portrait of a Lady on Fire? She was the mom. She was the mom. She was the mom in Portrait wow. of a Lady on Fire. Wow. Okay. Right? Yeah. I I was watching this movie with Caitlin. Shout out to Caitlin, our Instagram coordinator. Um, 
And she, I, I was like, I don't know why, but she just looks so familiar. And Caitlin's like, I'm gonna look it up real quick. <laughs> and she went, you won't believe this. I went, what? She was like, she's the mom in Portrait yeah. of a Lady on Fire. I was okay. like, wow. It's crazy how many actors still have careers. No. <laughs> oh, boy. Interesting. Um, so, some of the awards. Oscar winner for Best Picture, Mark Johnson. Uh, Oscar winner for Best Actor in a Leading Role, Dustin Hoffman. Ah, Oscar so for, I guess we know who the leading character is. Oscar winner for Best Director, Barry Levinson. And Oscar winner for Best Writing Screenplay, written directly for the screen, Ronald Bass and Barry Morrow. Hey. A lot of other nominations, uh, some Golden Globe wins and nominees, uh, BAFTA. It's a pretty critically acclaimed movie. As it deserves to be, Hunter, what would you rate this? I, out of ten, gave it a very unsolid six. Really? I'd closer to a five than a six, I'd say. Okay. Maybe like a 5.8. But I'd watch it again, so I give it six. Okay. I give it three on Letterboxd. Mm. I don't know. It seemed just objectively. It was kind of slow at points, and the writing seemed very circular. Uh, a lot of the same stuff would happen just in different events. And throughout the m- movie, Charlie changed as a character. Not much else happened. <sighs> I... Would probably give this movie seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Um, just because it's very rare for a very mainstream movie to be as focused on, um, like people with autism, mm-hmm. uh, high functioning or not. Especially in the 80s. Oh, especially in the 80s. And this did a lot to bring um, awareness to a wide group of people. And I thought that Charlie's character arc was believable enough. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he'd only been with his brother for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was sped up for plot's sake. Yeah. But it is a believable change of heart in a person and you bring up an interesting point and it's actually why i picked this movie is that dustin hoffman a perfectly sound of mind man mm-hmm. plays a neurologically atypical person yes and I... that has become quite a controversy nowadays more than yes. it has been and i brought it up because a lot of talk has been going around sia's movie that's going to come out. Yes. And I thought this would be an interesting topic to bring up. This is going to be a long podcast. Because we missed a week. Because we missed a week. Um, We're going to make it worth it. So, I wanted to say, I'm not a fan of that kind of casting. All right. Especially in today's world, where a lot of people are aware that there are people who are neurologically atypical with different mental deficiencies that can act really well. Peanut Butter Falcon is one of my favorite movies. And it's partly because of how genuine it is. And the writing, the reason it was made just makes the movie better. And it's a really well written and a really well acted movie. And so it's not, it's not hard to find people to fit the characters that are written. Mm -hmm. 
That being said, someone playing a role like this, Dustin Hoffman or Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Gilbert Grape, yeah, that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Incredibly difficult. And so, especially for 1988, I can see why they would use an A-list actor for something like this. And I think Dustin Hoffman brings a lot of humility and delicacy to the role because mm-hmm. I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He knew the the gravity of a part like that. And he, you can tell just how much work he put into that role mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And I think especially for 1988, mm-hmm. this movie would not have gone anywhere if an A-list actor was not playing yeah. the autistic character. I don't know. Tom Cruise would have pulled in a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think this movie would not have done nearly as well as it did. And especially for the time, the important, the important message that this movie was bringing Mm -hmm. would not have been received by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I think for this time, it was a decision that may or may not have been made on purpose for that reason, Mm -hmm. but the decision that they made to have an incredibly talented actor as dustin hoffman is to play an autistic character that in my personal opinion brought a lot more people to that movie Mm -hmm. and it probably i wasn't alive at the time but it probably gave a lot of people a lot more understanding to neurologically atypical people in a time where attention was just not brought up to it and a lot was not even known Mm -hmm. about autism, Down syndrome, anything like that. Yes. So, I'm going to give you a hot take, my opinion. Um, I don't think I'm as bothered by it as some other people. Um, because, you know, as actors, we often play people that we just have no relation to whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I've played a man in a small Russian town. I I'm neither a doctor nor Russian, but I played it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, shout out the fools. Um, and you you start opening cans of worms because if only people with certain lived experiences can act in certain roles, I'd only ever be able to play gay characters under the same umbrella. Because it should swing both ways yeah. if it's, like, adopted like that. Because I completely understand, like, somebody's saying, like, 12 Years a Slave. Obviously, it's going to be a heavily African-American cast. I have no issues there whatsoever. Um, but it gets to the point where we start making these rules... And we don't really think about, like, we think about one side of the argument, but not the other. other side. I can see that. I think it could definitely get carried away where it was like that. But like people trying to cancel Scarlett Johansson because uh, she was playing, was she playing a transgender woman or a transgender man? Even though she's not, I think it was transgender man, even though uh, she herself is not. Mm-hmm. transgender and so she came under fire for that yeah or like you were saying how you could only play gay people i don't think that's necessarily true i mean neil patrick harris was 
has one of the most famous gay characters mm-hmm. or straight characters in TV history. Well, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think it's more aligned with representation and the fact that there are people who could play these roles, but they're overlooked because they fit that role in real life. And I think it is not the same, but it goes along the lines of doing blackface or anything like that. Is It's someone who is in control of that industry and using people like that person to play roles that someone else could play just as well that fits the character better. I and guess I I guess I understand that. Like I definitely was to the best of my knowledge in the show Riverdale, Casey Cott playing um oh shoot, I don't remember his character name. Ah, just the gay the gay kid. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's straight. And you know, um to an extent, whenever I found out that he was, I was like, then why is he playing? But, you know, that was just a gut-level reaction. Like, I mean, obviously, you're just gonna... If you get the role, obviously gonna take it. Um, And so, you know, I guess I'm more caught up on something that I'm personally involved in than uh, other arguments that could be applicable to this. But I, I do see both sides of the argument because mm-hmm. I would be upset if I didn't get cast in a straight character spot because I'm not. But I'd also be equally upset if I didn't get cast in a <laughs> gay person spot when a straight by, person st- but a, by a straight person. Yeah. So I feel like while there are some degrees where it is more applicable, Mm -hmm. say race or something like that, which is a little bit um, different than sexual orientation or um, say whether you're transgender or not. Um, I would like to see as a whole Hollywood making a turn more towards getting people that um, have lived because I I'm also a big fan of like not always hiring a list actors because mm-hmm. I just like seeing people that I've never seen before. Yeah, um, gives you a little little more hope for new I, talent I, I coming see, in. I, I want to see Hunter on the big screen. I want to see myself on the big screen one day. I don't want to see all the same people over and over again. It gets monotonous. Yeah, even if they are good, even yeah. if they're Dustin Hoffman good, but. Even if they're Johnny Depp. Even if they're James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Corden. Um, ugh, never mind. So, I would, I would be equally upset in both situations. But at the end of the day, I would have gotten over it. Because, I mean, I'm not the director. And the director has a vision for the show or the movie. And you don't have to like the art. You don't have to like the casting decision or even the movie as a whole. I don't think it's the actor's fault because we're all trying to get employed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I feel like canceling a specific actor is a bit on the extreme, unless it's like something really egregious. Um, but I'm just not a fan of cancel culture. Like with um, like with Sia's movie, I don't think anybody's attacking the child. I don't know her what, name. What, what is the uh, what is was the controversy for those at home and me? Um, I'm not too read up on it, but Sia has a movie coming out where a there is I think she's autistic I'm not 100% sure but there's a child who has some form of uh, neurological atypicalism Mm -hmm. and the actress herself is not Mm. and so Sia has been under a lot of public fire for doing that and apparently the working conditions were also not very good at all. And like you were saying, I don't think anyone's attacking the kid for playing that role because a lot of the aggression seems to be aimed at Sia herself for doing that, for making which, a movie like that. Which I really don't have a problem with. Yeah. You can have a problem with the project as a whole if they're making decisions that you don't agree with or if you just don't like the art. And that's where it gets really tricky with stuff like this in theater and film, especially rather than like a business setting where it's very easy to discern discrimination of of most types and even if it might not get the light it deserves it's very easy to see when it happens and when when someone is being discriminated against because of who they are or how they look but in theater and film it gets a lot there's a huge gray area that you have to muddle through because there's it's not just the actor there's the director who has say on who is in the in their project there's the, the casting, casting director, director <laughs> I was about to say who is looking at all the auditions and can has the mm, has the ability they're the first level filter yes, I have heard stories even from my dad even who has gone into an audition, said their name, did their profile, and the casting director said, okay, thank you, next. Didn't get to say a word. And so it's it, it does kind of upset me when so many people are against the actor mm-hmm. for stuff like that, because, yes, they could be a little more sensitive to that, and maybe they shouldn't take a role. Maybe they should have the decency and understanding to say, no, somebody else deserves this role because they could fit it closer to the actual character than I could. But it, like you were saying, people do need a paycheck mm-hmm. and that it's not always up to them. Especially their, nowadays. <laughs> their agent even can get, th- their agent's the one that gets them into these auditions. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily go, oh, I'm going to audition for this. No, they get told, hey, you're auditioning for this on Wednesday at this time. And you're this also, is the character, these are the sides. Yeah, and you're also talking about A-list actors. Yes. Scarlett Johansson. Dustin Hoffman. Pretty A-list actor. Leonardo DiCaprio. Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. He plays a trans woman. Yes. And it was an incredible performance. And I think that's also where that comes in, is you're not going, not that I know of, you're not going to see someone who's not an A-list actor if they don't fit that role physically mm-hmm. playing that role, because to a certain extent, everyone is aware of what's going on. 
And I think that's part of the message they're trying to send, because in some cases, people are trying to send a message to a broader audience, and they know that if they don't have an A-list actor, if they don't have someone who is highly revered in mm-hmm. their field and well-known by mm-hmm. a lot of people... Then what's the difference between them and something that just films at the Cannes yeah. Film Festival? And nobody's going to watch it. Yeah. And so nobody's going to get that message. And that's part of the reason why I don't like prom that much. Oh, that's a big can of <laughs> I, I have not watched that movie. No, um, I probably won't like it either, to be honest. And so it's really tricky with stuff like that. Uh, especially when you're trying to send a message to a broad audience. And I, I'm i also under the impression that if the actor does a good job at portraying that character as believable as possible, in the most honest way possible, then the the end goal is the same. It's just a different means of getting there. And... While some people may not like the certain means, if somebody could have done just as good a job as Dustin Hoffman, we don't know for sure, especially in 1988. Yeah. Um, but more nowadays, I mean, who knows? It's, I mean, it's impossible to know. And I think that's also part of the problem is it could have happened, but we don't know because it didn't. And you only have one shot whenever it comes to a movie. Yeah. You don't recast unless unless the movie Shrek you don't recast your uh, main character halfway through shooting just because it's not working and it's a big gamble to take whenever um, do I sound like I come from a northern state like Boston or New York sometimes I don't know sorry I had <laughs> I had an intrusive thought and I had to ask <laughs> I think it's just because of the way I say my words sometimes mm. um, anyway uh, <laughs> stupid intrusive thoughts. But you do. You only have one shot whenever it comes to a movie. I mean, Shrek cost a lot more to produce because the person that they had cast voicing Shrek died halfway through production, I'm pretty sure. And so they got Mike Myers, and then Mike Myers halfway through decided to make uh, Shrek have a Scottish accent, and so they had to just re-record all of his lines up until that point. But Mike Myers is an A-list actor. So they were willing to do it because Mike Myers apparently is demanding. <laughs> uh, so it's a really big gamble to take. That was a really odd tangent that I don't think made it made its way back to what you were saying. Probably not. Sorry. So what Logan was saying is you only have one shot at this when you're trying to make a movie like this and whether you are or are not trying to send a message about not being a terrible person to people different than you it's incredibly difficult to do that and you have to be very delicate with your work and you have to be very open with it and very critical of yourself i would say of your own work and constantly be questioning your work Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the best job that I could possibly do with this? Is this going too far? Is this sending the right message? And I think that's part of the reason why you sometimes will see 
or a lot of the time, we'll see a really famous actor playing a role like this because you have to, in some sense, hire someone who, if for whatever reason, you're not going to hire someone who fits that character, whatever character you're writing, you have to hire someone who knows that they're not fitting that character and will take the role seriously and dedicate themselves completely to, to being respectful. And that's the hugest thing is you have to be respectful of that work that you're doing. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I feel like um, it's definitely still up for debate because, I mean, it's a gray area. You hire actors because you expect them to act. Um, and so how many degrees of separation is it acceptable to have the actor away from the character they're portraying, I guess, is the question. And I feel like it's going to be up to debate for a while. I feel like a lot of people are going to be canceled before we find a happy medium. Um, I don't even think Scarlett Johansson's been canceled per se, but regardless, like, the... What's the word? The uprising? No. Uproar, I guess, that came whenever she did have that part personally i felt was unfounded unwarranted yeah so i don't know i have a hard time telling people roles that they should and should not play because i mean i hate to be the person to say no to somebody who is getting a job and i mean doing a good job. If they do a bad job at it, I say, let the actor have it. I think that's another question you have to put in to the mix is let's take a a gay character, just for example, and you have a straight actor and a gay actor. How much better does the straight character have to be than... Does the straight man have to be than the gay man auditioning for that role to be sure that they're going to go with the straight person? See, but sometimes that, that, I mean, obviously on the audition sheet, they're not going to put sexual orientation question mark and then like a colon and have people fill that out. It's, I mean, I feel like sexual orientation is a little bit sub-superficial. <laughs> um, uh, not so much to do with looks uh, as maybe like a transgender man or... I mean, I think I think we both agree that race as a whole should just like is not part yeah. of this discussion. Don't do that. Um, There's and that's the thing is it depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. On how defined the lines are. Yeah. And who fits the character best does not always mean physically, and so that's hard. That's mm-hmm. really hard. You can rewrite a character to. If if you have written a, a white character, but there's a black actor who auditions way better than anyone else, then there are times when people will rewrite the character and some of the story to fit that. And so, going back to that example I had, is the gay character might be gay and the gay actor might be gay, but if the straight actor fits the role, how much better does the straight actor have to fit the role to do that? And... I would even compare it to 
solos, and like a choir. I've heard some amazing singers, objectively better than anyone else in the room, but they don't get solos in the choir because their voice doesn't fit the mood that the conductor's going for. It doesn't blend with the accompaniment or the uh, choir quite as well as someone else who may not be technically as good, but their voice fits just right for that one song. And so it's not necessarily... And I'm not speaking from my own perspective. I'm speaking from... Hunter's salty that he didn't get a solo. Uh, no, no, no. no, no. I'm not speaking from my own perspective. I'm speaking of the perspective of casting directors and, and directors and yeah. writers. It's just a lot of gray area. It's a lot of gray area that you have to be conscious that you're going through. And it's not something you can do half-mindedly. Yeah, I don't think casting directors are out there in Hollywood, one of the most liberal places in general, and yeah. saying, yeah, I want that straight person. Yeah. Haha. F all the, uh, <laughs> F all the, uh, actual transgender actors or, um, stuff like that. No, I, I have a very hard time believing that. Um, I do think that is changing a lot today. Um, where casting directors might not have thought that as much, mm-hmm. but they do now. Yeah. Because awareness has been brought to the forefront of casting people. And so I think that is a lot more prevalent in casting people for different roles in that sense i think you're right but uh especially for like 1988 that may not have been the case yeah um but i feel like having dustin hoffman in the role doesn't deteriorate um a how powerful the movie is Mm -hmm. and b the message yes and that's really what i find important granted yeah I would have loved it if they had in a neuroatypical actor uh, fill that role. I say that without knowing, like, is a great movie. And I say that not knowing the quality of the movie, if that were the style choice by the casting director and the director. I think it would have had to have been because when they were at Walbrook, there were people with actual autism, Down syndrome, Mm -hmm. playing extras. So I think that was a very conscious choice that they made. Very fair. And so you just have to... take the art as a whole, and I felt like the art, even though Dustin Hoffman is, to my knowledge, neurotypical. So yeah, I feel like the art is good. The message went through to a lot of people, which is very important. Um... And with that have been done, it makes it easier in future movies for um, people to make more diverse casting decisions. And I would like to point out real quick that we are saying everything we are saying with the knowledge and understanding that we are white, United States citizens, uh, come from Christian backgrounds. Mm-hmm. One of us is straight. We're... <laughs> able-bodied and able-minded and so we're coming at it from our own perspectives which is not necessarily the the closest mm-hmm. to what's going on but we're trying to understand the messages that people are trying to send and how that might affect something like that mm-hmm. but we also understand that we do not have those experiences ourselves yeah and neither did a lot of America whenever this movie came out. Right. Uh, 
I definitely have not seen a, um, mm, what is the term? Describe it. Oh, whenever, like, whenever he's trying to take his brother onto the plane. Um, overstimulation. Um, overstimulation of, uh, neurologically atypical person, uh, in person before. And neither have a lot of people. And so, I feel like this movie was a great way to help get the world's toes wet, even though casting decision was atypical as well. No, I'm just it was typical for the time. But uh I think I think I've said my piece. Yeah. And again, this movie was made in nineteen eighty eight. We're speaking for a movie that was made in a time where there was probably no thought yeah. to casting lead roles mm-hmm. as people with autism or Down syndrome or anyone who wasn't able bodied, able minded. Yeah. With that being said, Hunter, what was your favorite part of this movie? I would probably say Dustin Hoffman's performance. I really thought he did. I even put my review. He he brought such a humility and delicacy to the role. Uh, he's very respectful, whereas the writers left out a lot of things mm-hmm. that would be true to mm-hmm. uh, what they said was an autistic savant. I think he is a very dedicated actor. Anyway, he's a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. I mean, Midnight Cowboy, I read that he put rocks in his shoe to keep his limp authentic. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff like that. He's a very hardworking, dedicated actor. And I I think, especially at that time where he was in his prime, the role would not have been as justified had it been any other able-minded person. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would argue that at that time, he was probably the best able-minded person to do that job because he is throughout film i have noticed that he is one of the hardest working actors and that goes for people like leonardo dicaprio too mm-hmm. or uh robert de niro very hard working people who who take their craft very seriously and have a great respect for whatever role they're playing mm-hmm. for me i'd say my favorite part of this movie would probably be charlie babbitt's character arc Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people probably have sympathies with both characters at the same time. Because I know I was watching this movie, and I was thinking to myself, if I were in his shoes, I probably wouldn't have too much more patience than his character does. Yeah. Because I try. When you're not, I mean, when you're not prepared yeah. to deal with something like that and you never have before it can be extremely hard to adjust Mm -hmm. because i mean you see somebody who is older than you and with that comes the expectation that they're going to act like you or more mature and i'm not saying that he's not mature Mm -hmm. but um he's like why aren't you listening to me and stuff like that and he just doesn't understand um and I could definitely resonate. I feel like I would feel the same way if I were in his shoes. Um, not that I would be. I wouldn't be that desperate for money, but uh, to kidnap my brother that I never knew. Uh, <laughs> I say that not knowing that I totally would if there were a, a one and a half million dollars on the stake. No, just kidding. Um, but um, 
I don't know, just, I have a lot of patience most of the time, but working at a daycare has showed me that even though I do have patience, it can still be worn mm-hmm. thin <laughs> um, if I'm having a bad day or if um, the kids aren't listening and you can tell that like they know what they're doing. Um, you can get a little bit more frustrated sometimes rather than others. And so I do understand where his character is coming from. But him over the course of the week, getting more information about it, taking his brother to the doctor and having it explained to him, like, what's going on? And then after that, him learning and changing. I I definitely feel like it was something that was believable and really of credit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really honest answer and true for a lot of people is if they were in his shoes... They would probably act the same. And a lot of people would probably think, no, I'd be more understanding of that and more patient. But a lot of the time, if you haven't been in that situation, you just don't know how you'd act. And I really do think a lot of people would be in the same situation, especially if they were in his shoes. Mm -hmm. They would be the exact same. Mm -hmm. Because there comes a lot with navigating through conversation and being respectful. And it can be hard when you don't know what you're doing. You also have to, you also have to appreciate, um, just the complete 180 of Charlie's motives by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Cause it started with him wanting the money, Mm -hmm. but by the end, I could genuinely feel that Charlie wanted to be with his brother, Raymond. They seemed like brothers. They did. And it, it made the ending scene just that much better. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it kind of hurt that, like, Charlie was really upset about his brother leaving and Raymond just was being Raymond. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, juxtaposition and it, it was written to hurt. And that it did. <laughs> um, uh, I, I did like the ending as well. Kind of. <laughs> For the most part. I think it was a realistic ending. There was no There's way. That, no way. There was no way. What was your least favorite part about this movie? Casting choices aside, we've already we've already <laughs> beat that dead horse. Um, probably the writing. The writing? Yeah, like I said earlier, it well, aside from my initial opinion, it left a lot of things out for Raymond's character mm-hmm. to be true to Yeah. An actual autistic savant as they categorized him. Well, I mean and to a point. To a I point, mean yes. everybody's different. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to be careful with writing that anyway. Mm-hmm. But just in general, the writing seemed really circular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and aside from Charlie's change in in character over the course of the movie, it seemed like it was just a lot of the same stuff, just in different places and different circumstances. I get that. I definitely do. Like, uh, they go somewhere, Charlie needs money, and he's running out of time, and Raymond... Uh, eventually has an emotional uh, episode of some sort caused most of the time by Charlie. They go to another place. Charlie becomes a little bit more understanding. He still needs money. He's still running out of time. Raymond has another emotional episode. They go somewhere else. Charlie's a little bit more understanding. And it just keeps going. And, I mean, Charlie does have a, a very good character arc. And the writing for his character was really good. But I think overall... 
it seemed kind of static. I agree with that to a point. I feel like um, the beginning of the movie it definitely felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, during and after Vegas, I feel like that really changed. Yeah. Because in Vegas, Charlie was like, we're going to put your magic number skills to use. And so um, counting cards works seamlessly which i have a hard time believing um it's it's hard to even when counting cards to that degree there's still variability so i i mean gambling is gambling no matter what no matter if you're good at card counting or not you're still gonna end up losing um more likely than not it's i feel like it changed during and after vegas and it was more so instead of Charlie needing money, Raymond having an episode, them leaving. It was more so Charlie trying to understand Raymond. Raymond would happen to stumble upon something that would be an episode, uh, lead to an episode like um, the smoke alarm mm-hmm. or the interrogation by the doctor mm-hmm. uh, at the airport. Or, well, that was. That was, yeah. That was before. But, um, but, like, Charlie didn't know. Charlie didn't know. And so. It was then Charlie going to help Raymond. He mm-hmm. beat down the smoke alarm yeah. and like shut tried the doctor to up. shut the doctor up and like went to care for Raymond after the doctors had left the room. And so I feel like for a good part of the movie, that is what it is. Um, but I don't think it was overwrought with just the same, um, storyline on the whole but yeah there was some repetition in there i will grant you mm-hmm. my least favorite part of the movie um i think my least favorite part of the movie was <laughs> the doctors letting them letting him leave with raymond yeah. to begin with that was a bit I, fortunate i just um just watched him <laughs> yeah on the balcony he was like Hmm. That must be going on a walk. <laughs> I don't see a car. <laughs> go, go park the car at the end of the driveway. <laughs> um, and so... Also, I don't understand why... <laughs> um, the girlfriend left. <laughs> yeah. And she somehow... left because Charlie was being a dick, but then she left Raymond alone with Charlie. Right? And then she just happened to find them at the hotel. There was probably some cutout conversation. Maybe, but it just... Yeah. I don't... What? There was no... To my knowledge, from what I remember from watching the movie, there was no conversation between him and her that would tell them that she was there, or that he was there. Right. Like maybe, I said, it, Maybe I'm missing something. It was probably cut out That's after fair. the fact. Hmm. Hmm. Michael would never. <laughs> we should have had Michael on the editing team. <laughs> um, but I I feel like those. I don't know. I think <laughs> on the whole, I am like my least favorite things in movies are plot holes. Um, have you watched the new Wonder Woman movie, nineteen eighty four? I have not watched any DC movies past Batman versus Superman. God, you. Should smart. keep it that way. Yeah. Um, 
my my favorite my favorite plot hole of that movie. I hate time travel movies and like wish movies because the rules are always so abstract and just what just what they need for the movie instead of it being built around the premise that they make. Instead, they just make it what they need. I digress. Yeah. So, next week, we'll talk more about that with Back to the Future. <laughs> no! Mm-hmm. Um, but, did you know that a lightning strike is 1.21, is it 1.21 gigawatts? 1.28 gigawatts? I, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, uh, the thing that I disliked in Wonder Woman 1984 was the fact that they were stealing a plane, like a fighter plane, jet, whatever, from the Smithsonian Institute. And um, they go out onto the tarmac, whatever. They hop in the plane, and only whenever the plane starts moving did stuff go off. And, like, the armed forces go out, try to stop the plane on the tarmac, and, um, Wonder Woman is like, oh no, I forgot about radar. And with her boyfriend being from like World War, World War One, World War Two? One. One. Um, he was like, what's radar? <laughs> because of some weird plot point where the wishing stone brings in, um, uh, her boyfriend into a different person's bot. It was weird. Um, but during the movie, we see him as her old boyfriend instead of the new person's body, just so they can have Chris Pine mm-hmm. in there again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I digress again. Um, they drive down, and they're going to lift off. And uh, she was like, oh, no, radar. They're going to be able to see us no matter where we are, even though it's night. And then she went, but wait. <laughs> and she's like, my, uh, somebody showed me this, but I've only ever done it to a coffee cup, and I lost it. And she turns the whole plane invisible, and they somehow disappear from radar. <laughs> and I've never been more infuriated at something in my life. Because how many Hollywood writers don't know how radar works yeah. to where it's just sound bouncing off and something being visible doesn't matter? And you, you can tell that it's still holding its shape. Because they pass through, like, fireworks and smoke clouds, and it leaves a jet-sized hole. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they turned into a ghost jet or anything. This has been Movie Rants with Logan. <laughs> I That's something I don't like about superhero movies, is how far they'll go to putting in something that's really important to the comics into making it, like, cool for the movie. Like... Oh, this is how the invisible jet was created. Ooh, so cool. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't. I'm not a big superhero fan. I, superhero movie fan. I'm okay with them. And also, Marvel's done a pretty good job with it for the most part, but something, uh, in the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, uh, when they, when Ed Norton and Liv Tyler's characters got back together, and Tyler went shopping, and she was like, this is the only thing I could find that was big and stretchy enough. And it was the purple pants that Hulk wears in the comics. And I was like, we don't need that. Stop. Uh, you know. I think that's why I like the 
Nolan Batman film so much is it is comic book character, but he doesn't overemphasize things from the comics and how he's integrating it into the movie. Like the Joker, he uses almost every uh, weapon with quotes around it that Joker in the comic uses. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, uh, he uses smoke. I would compare that to laughing gas Mm -hmm. that he uses in his like infamous war. Yeah. He, I can't remember if he uses a crowbar. I think he does at the end of the movie. He uses a crowbar. He uses knives. He gets a bazooka somehow, but it's not, it's not over emphasized. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that he doesn't use is chattering teeth. But I feel like any other writer would be like, oh yeah, we got to put the chattering teeth in there somehow. But that doesn't make sense. So he didn't put it in the movie. And I, and I like that about it because I hate it when comic book movies try too hard to fan service and put things that are from the comic book that don't belong in the movie. What's your least favorite superhero movie? We promise we'll get back to the movie soon, <laughs> but I need to I need to know. We promised a long episode. Least folks. favorite superhero movie that I've seen? Yes. I'm oh, probably a DC one. I've only seen Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. Oh, I definitely know mine. Which one? Batman vs Superman. I did not like that movie. <laughs> that was hot trash. It was. It was garbage. Martha! Wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not like that movie. Your mom's name is Martha? <laughs> Let's fight together! <laughs> that was not my best Batman impression, I promise. But, uh... Oh, I don't... I despise that movie. I digress. I digress a lot. I've said that how many times? I just go off on so many tangents. I feel I'm like so that's sorry. part of the podcast at this point. I don't think you need to say you digress. That's I mean, fair. we've been talking for the we've been recording for an hour and a half, and we've talked about the movie for maybe an hour of it, if even that. I was going to say forty five minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and a lot of that was on the controversy. Um, well, I mean, that's why I picked the movie, though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, if you casting aside could change anything about the movie would you change um the writing yeah i don't think i'd change the casting for the time okay because like i was saying earlier it if it was today Mm -hmm. no doubt would change the casting yeah but because of the time that it was made and the lack of awareness or attention or understanding Mm mm-hmm I think they did that on purpose because, like I said, they even had actual neurological, atypical people in Warbrook, and they still chose to have Dustin Hoffman as a lead actor. So I wouldn't change it for the time that it was in. Mm -hmm. I would change the writing. I think I would want it to be a little more fleshed out, Mm -hmm. a little more robust. What would you change? Hmm... I think I would change some of the writing to make it more, um, I don't want to say believable, but remember whenever, um, remember whenever Raymond was crossing the street in that small town and that guy gets out of his car, I don't know what was up with the writing, but he was like, hey, 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 dude, hey, and I was like, what the heck? This this is horrible. Unless this guy's just improving, but I wouldn't have accepted that scene. I would have said reshoot. I will say, stereotypes are sometimes based, or most of the time, based off 
at least an ounce of truth. If you were in a town where people looked like that, Raymond would not have gotten a, hey, bud, hey, what are you doing? Hey, bud. He would have been shot. (laughs) Or run over. Yes. Like Buddy the Elf in the famed movie (laughs) Elf. Uh, (laughs) He didn't know the culture, and he got hit by a taxi on several occasions. (laughs) Oh, boy. I I think I would... I would change some of the dialogue a little bit. Um, I don't know if I would have had, um, uh, oh, what, whatever her name is, um, Kiss Raymond in the elevator. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have had that in there. I felt like it was just something extra. I think it was something for her character. I know, but I didn't see her character as that important. Yeah. Because she left it like a like. crucial time and came back, kissed him, and then disappeared again. I. You know what? If I could change anything, just take her out. No. <laughs> or, or more likely, keep her and have her be a more pivotal part of the plot line. Well, that's what I was saying with, like, fleshing it out a little. Um, See, but if she was in there the whole time, would Charlie's change have been attributed to Raymond or her? Ah. So, I guess you have to think of that. Um, hmm. Yep, just take her out. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it was just uh, that scene specifically was something for her character, just to give a little more detail. And because, I mean, she wasn't in the movie a whole long time. So I feel like they, the writers probably felt the need to have small moments where they could. I don't know. I feel like I would have much rather had um, a different character, maybe. Maybe not have a hooker approach him, and instead, like, I don't know, somebody else. I think that was more for comedic effect. Yeah, that's fair. Um, instead of somebody that was having sex with Charlie at the beginning of the movie, then kiss his brother. I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I would have just rather him have met somebody else in Vegas, and then, I don't know, maybe something come of that, because... The only t- the only time that um, Charlie found out is whenever like they were in the doctor's office, yeah. and then he just barely reacted. <laughs> he was like, "You did, yeah," and then they kept on going. <laughs> um, uh, I I don't know. I feel like I'd change that in some way. Okay, I took a lot more time describing my ah. <laughs> salty, kosher salty. <laughs> I'm taking that out. <laughs> my goal. <laughs> Delete my horrible pun. Oh, boy, but... <sighs> Overall, I do think this movie earns a 7.5 rating. I still give it a 6. Just could have been better. Just overall. Just objectively, I think it could have been better. Yeah. Not to say that it was bad. I liked it. I'd watch it again. I... I'd watch it again. Probably more than just again, but I'd definitely watch it again. All right. Logan, do you have next week's movie ready? I do. Oh. Next week's movie is Ratatouille. Hey! Yes, our, <laughs> I think our first animated film yep. for the podcast. So, it's available on Disney+, Plus, and I don't think it'll get taken off for... Oh, we forgot to mention... That's why... 
Um, another reason why this podcast came out so late is because Hulu, two days, two days, two days after we recorded, uh, the last podcast, yoinked Rain Man off of, uh, Hulu, so we had no way of watching it for a while. <laughs> um, so, we had to find, uh, another way of, uh, getting the movie to watch it. And, uh... And if you realized that Rain Man wasn't on Hulu after listening to our podcast, maybe you should have been uh, more loyal to this podcast and listened to it when it came out and then immediately watched Rain Man. Yeah, true. So... I made it through half of the movie before it got taken off. Uh, Hunter watched this movie last night. And this morning. And this morning. You finished it this morning? Yep. Ah. Hunter's normally a little late at watching the movie, but maybe, maybe with a class now <laughs> dropped act. Now that I have time <laughs> in my schedule for literally anything, like making new music for our podcast, <laughs> um, it's so I, I highly doubt they're gonna take Ratatouille off. Um, I definitely, uh, I I think this will be my first time watching Ratatouille in one sitting as well. <laughs> Um, I love this movie. Uh, save it for next week, Hunter. I love Ratatouille. Shut up! My mom made Ratatouille one time and I ate it. So good. It's, uh... It's not something I've had, nor do I think I will have it, because seeds. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, though. Stupid allergies. She didn't have, uh... She didn't have... She... I think it was... Uh, tomato and squash, and I don't know if she had zucchini. She mm. might have, but I think there's four vegetables that go in it. We will definitely know by the end of next week. Absolutely. <laughs> Should we make some ratatouille and, and have a taste test? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that seems to be a trend on like TikTok and stuff, is making ratatouille. Radit- we, all- we will also be uh, reviewing Ratatouille the musical. No, I'm just kidding. No, we won't. <laughs> No, we'll save that for the next week. <laughs> the only movie musical I want to review on this podcast is? is Sing Street. Oh. There we go. I did it. That will probably not be the only mu- movie musical we review. Because I want to get a movie that I hate. <laughs> and on the whole, I just hate movie musicals. I think... I haven't... I haven't disliked any movies that we've watched so far i think the this week's was at the bottom of the list for me though mm-hmm. so this week's movie it ranks in at a 13 and a half mm-hmm. 13 and a half yeah that's pretty low considering the others are like 18 19 19.9 no i think my my uh changed review of midsummer uh, kind of dropped it down yeah i, I think, think it's all above 15 though right i think so I think so. What did you give me? I I can't remember. This is why I need to make a spreadsheet with our uh, movie ratings from past podcasts. Or a letterbox. Or a letterbox, but uh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> Do you have to write reviews? Or can you just give a star rating? You just give a star rating. Oh. It's better if you give a review, though. I mean, yeah, but, you know, how many people are going to read my review? Well, I will. Aw. What rating did I give what? Midsummer. Right, that was uh, last year. <laughs> I gave it uh, two, four, six, eight, nine stars. Nine stars? Yep, and my review, this is why I'm a dare kid. That's it, that is the whole review. <laughs> All right, so next week, 
Ratatouille, the Pixar uh, animated film featuring Remy the Rat. Um, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at PrivScreenPod. And you can also follow us on Instagram, also PrivScreenPod. And you can also email us. Reach out. Tell us what you think about the show. Any movie suggestions you may have. Uh, we will definitely, definitely see about uh, taking those into consideration. Maybe having the last episode of a month be a uh, listener chosen, chosen movie. Yeah. You know? New things like that could always be coming down the pipe. Pike? Is it pike or pipe? Pipe. Pipe? Coming down the pipe. I, I feel yeah. like pike is also. No. Like a turnpike? Yeah, but I don't like pike roast. Mm, fair. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to change the saying. Coming down the pipe. So. Also, I would just like to say, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, I'm not going to email them. Please stop thinking that. We don't get any emails. We don't get any emails. We don't get any. Please be the first person to email us. Except by scams. No. <laughs> we only had one scam. We would really love to have people review movies. We, we'll shout you out. Yeah, we'll read them. Uh, recommendations. Because, I mean, we have a list of movies that we have picked out, but... Sometimes it's it's mostly movies that at least one of us have watched. So if you pick a movie that neither of us watched, we'll watch it. True, we'll find a way. We have we have our ways. Uh, so definitely, definitely. Um, somebody somebody uh suggest Sky High, the Disney Channel original movie, magnum opus of Disney Channel original movies, maybe. Except for I feel like. Disney nope, Channel nope. Halloween original movies are a different breed. A different breed. Just a completely separate category than other Disney Channel original movies. Yeah, but Sky High is still better. Really? Yes. <laughs> Wait, Magnum Opus? What do you... Then why did you say no to it being the Magnum Opus? I didn't say no. Oh. Oh, you were saying no to uh, Disney Channel Halloween original movies? You said except, movies? and I shook my head no. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There is no except. That's very true. I feel like Sky... You know what? We'll get into that. Whenever we review <laughs> Sky High. Uh, but, as for this week's episode, I've been Logan. Yes, you have. And we'll see you next week. Bye.